We do operate in great faith. We believe that God can heal the body physically, and when He does so, it's wonderful. We also, though, have internal pain, emotional pain, psychological pain. But I believe, folks, with all of my heart, the grace of Jesus is the healing balm that will begin to make you well. This is Moments of Hope with David Chadwick. Faith is the most valuable thing in our Christian walk. Without it, we can't be saved. In John 4, we see Jesus' interaction with a Roman guard whose faith was incredibly great. Today, we'll discover three insights from this interaction that will help strengthen our own faith. Here's David with part two of a message called Great Faith. So somewhere in this 20-mile trek between Capernaum and Cana, the Roman officials coming down and his servants had found out the boy was recovering. The boy was alive. They were so excited. They must have really loved this guy. You know, there were Roman officials and Roman guards even who were really good guys during that day. We see evidences of it in the scripture. This man must have been dearly beloved by his household because they left Cana and they met him halfway and said, your son is recovering. They wanted to be the first ones to tell him this wonderful news. Now here's how he responded. Verse 52. So he asked them the hour when he began to get better. And they said to him, yesterday at the seventh hour, the fever left him. Couple things here. The seventh hour in Jewish time was 1 p.m. in the afternoon. So at 1 p.m. in the afternoon, the boy's fever left him. Well, the Roman official calculates when Jesus said to him, go home, your son is well, to the time that they said the fever began to break, it was exactly the same time. But notice also they said yesterday. Folks, this is a key word in this text. It's so cool. Yesterday, what does that mean? Well, that means if the boy had been promised to be healed by Jesus at one o'clock in the afternoon and it's a 20 mile trek, there's no way in the world this Roman official could have made that journey over that time in the middle of the night, especially. Have you ever tried to walk down a dangerous mountain trail in the middle of the night? Also, there were brigands and Jewish zealots who carried around what they call the Sakari dagger that they would take out and just kill a Roman, especially a Roman official on the side of the road because they just hated the Romans. They were existing in those mountainous regions. And if they saw a Roman official in the middle of the night walking down a mountain trail, they would have killed him. There are all kinds of dangers. So what does this guy do? He finds an inn. He goes to sleep because he believed in the promises of Jesus. He didn't worry. He didn't fret. He wasn't anxious. He went to an end and put his head down on the pillow and went to sleep. Do you know one of the major reasons all of us should be able to sleep amidst all of our anxieties, amidst the COVID crisis, amidst diseases, amidst turmoils, amidst trials? Why can we go to sleep? Here's the reason. Psalm 121.4, God neither slumbers nor sleeps. Because he's always awake taking care of us, we can go to sleep. That's what Jesus was trying to tell us in the story of him going to sleep in the back of the boat when the storm came upon his disciples on the Sea of Galilee. He was trying to tell them, you should be able to sleep in the storms because you know that your Father in heaven neither slumbers nor sleeps. This Roman official went to bed. He slept and it was the next day he got up and continued his journey downward toward Capernaum. Verse 53, the father knew that was the hour 
when Jesus had said to him, your son will live. And he himself believed. Now, he, he believed before this moment. He believed in the moment that Jesus said, go to home to your son. He's well. He believed the word that Jesus spoke to him. We see that in verse 50. Here it says he believed again. What does that mean? It just means he believed more. He already believed. And then when he connected the hour that his servants and household said that the boy was healed with the actual time Jesus healed him, he went, I really believe right now. It's like I can tell you guys stories of how Jesus came in a miraculous way in my life. And one encourages my faith. The next one encourages my faith even more. The third one encourages my faith even more. That's what's going on here. This Roman official's faith is just growing as he starts putting the pieces of the puzzle all together. And look at these next words. And all his household. Wow. So he takes the servants who came with him, members of his household, and then he went home and all of his household came to faith in Jesus as he shared this story. He didn't have to twist anybody's arm. He told the story, allowed them to choose to believe, and every single one of them believed. His wife implied, his son implied, other children that he might have had implied, all of his servants, all of his household guests believed, his whole household believed. Why? Because he shared Jesus. He shared Jesus. Now, let me take a moment and talk to you men out there. You know, it's interesting as I read statistics today in the American culture, 40% uh, of the church is men, 60% of the church is women. 70% um, of all seminarians and mainline seminaries are women. Now you need to know, I love women and I don't have a problem with women in ministry. My own wife right now is in seminary at Duke University. Can you believe that? She decided to go to Duke University. No contention in our home whatsoever. We love each other deeply and dearly, but she's moving toward the possibility of ordination after she graduates. So women in ministry is not a problem for me, but here's my point. I think the church too often caters to a feminine style that men reject and just don't want. Think about mainline churches that you walk in, there's soft organ music, soft candlelight, all the choir members and particularly the ministers are all dressed in robes. I can remember one time a kid coming into a church that I was working in where the minister wore the robes and he came up to me and said, why do all you guys wear dresses? I mean, everything's feminized. And Friends, especially you men out there, we need to understand that men not involved spiritually in their homes will produce children who aren't involved spiritually with Jesus. Here's the truth. If men come to faith in Jesus, most often, statistically, this is proven, the wife will come to faith as well. If the wife comes to faith in Jesus, statistically, most often, the husband doesn't come to faith. So you guys out there, how about standing up for what's really important in life? You realize, don't you like this Roman official? He not only had his son saved, he saved his legacy. Because of his faith in Jesus, not only did he come to faith, not only did his household come to faith, but he set in motion a legacy for generations to come to follow Jesus. Guys, what kind of legacy are you leaving? Life is more than just getting more stuff. 
Life is more than just drinking and vacations and entertainment and sports. Life is more than pornography, which is one of the powerful destructive forces of this world. You are worshiping an idol when you do so, not the woman you've committed yourself to. Life is more than all that stuff that fades away and oftentimes is godless and only leads you to the roads to hell. How about doing something different? How about questing after Jesus, either through persuasion or by miracle, come to faith in him. And then when you come to faith in him, if your wife doesn't believe, share boldly, I have come to faith in Jesus and start praying for her to do so as well. Most often, statistically, she will follow. And then start sharing Jesus with your kids. Start being with them. Kids spell love, T-I-M-E. And when you're with them, share Jesus, live Jesus. Let them see he's the most important person in your life. And then as you start to see your kids' lives transformed, you know you're affecting their children and their children's children. You are affecting generations to come. Would you dare be bold enough today, men, to not fall prey to the lies of this culture and be solid, courageous men of God who stand up for your families, walk closely with Jesus, and look at the darkness of this culture and say, not me, not me. I'm not falling prey to the culture's lies. I'm going to walk closely and intimately with Jesus because in him I live and move and have my being. In him I find life and life alone. Wow. This Roman official brought his whole household to faith. Men, would you dare to do so as well? Final verse, verse 54. This was now the second sign that Jesus did when he had come from Judea in Galilee. His second sign. What a wonderful Savior we serve. And miracles can be a part of our lives, our church's life. But in order for that to happen, we need great faith. So as I look at this text, there are three aspects of this Roman official's faith that makes him great. First of all, it's humble. He left his household alone and went up to Cana alone and went to Jesus humbly asking for his need to be met. He couldn't meet it. Only Jesus could. Secondly, it doesn't see. It doesn't see. You know, he didn't know his boy had been healed. He believed it though. True great faith believes when you don't see. That's what Hebrews 11 verse 1 says. And also Paul said it well in one of his letters to the Corinthians. We don't walk by uh, sight. We walk by faith. You can't do both at the same time. And thirdly, this man obeyed what Jesus told him to do. He left immediately and started home. And then when he got home, he shared his faith. Because folks, faith without works is dead. If you don't have a faith that is serving inside our church, outside our church, if you don't have a faith that shares with your family members, with those in your community, do you really believe that people separated from Jesus spend eternity or who die without Jesus spend eternity separated from him? Do you really believe that? Do you believe he came on a rescue mission to save you from hell? And he calls you to be a part of his team, his army, to now join him in that same proclamation of the message to other people? And you go, well, I'm afraid people won't like me. They'll reject me. It doesn't matter. They rejected him. They'll reject you. 
You know, Jesus was despised and rejected. Read Isaiah 53. That's one of the earmarks of the Messiah. He knows everything you've been through. If you've been rejected, he knows what that's like. And if you get rejected for sharing the gospel, so be it. Just remember, you're in sales, God's in management. Your job's to share. It's God's job to draw people unto himself. But he needs you to share. So you serve and you share as a part of your faith. One final thing I want to address, because I think I need to. There are those out there who say, if you're sick, you need to have more faith. And if you aren't getting well, it's because you don't have enough faith. What a terrible thing to do to people, to imply that they don't have enough faith and that's why they're not well. The Bible doesn't teach that. Now, the Bible does teach that faith is associated with God's miracles. And for those who want a great miracle from God, a great faith is necessary. But you should never say to somebody, you don't have enough faith and that's why the miracle hasn't occurred yet. Faith is a gift from God too and we can only exercise what he gives us. But what I would say here is you need to understand that we have different perspectives on the idea of how people get well in the Bible. For example, Luke was a physician and the books Luke and Acts were written together by Luke. Luke's companion in the book of Acts was Paul. And isn't it interesting that the book of Acts is over 30 years. You see lots of miracles. You also see Paul getting beaten up in all kinds of ways. That's why he probably needed a physician to walk with him to help bind his wounds when all of that stuff happened to him. Jesus is called the great physician. Why in the world would physicians be unnecessary in our world if Jesus is called the great physician and Paul is accompanied by a wonderfully gifted Greek physician as well. Moreover, you have illustrations, for example, in 2 Timothy chapter 4, verse 20, where Paul writes to Timothy that I'm coming to you, hope to, I'm trying to, but, you know, we had to leave um, Trophimus uh, in Miletus because he was ill. Now, you think, well, Trophimus wasn't faithful to Jesus and that's why he got sick. Well, how more faithful can you be than to be with the great apostle taking the gospel all over the world? He got sick. Paul left him there in order to advance to the next place where he needed to preach the gospel. He didn't heal him. Why? We don't know. But he did get sick. Also with Paul, in 2 Corinthians chapter 12, he had this thorn in his flesh. We don't know what it was. I think God left it purposefully ambiguous for all of us to fill in the blank with our own thorns in the flesh. Something that really hurt him. It was a messenger from Satan. It was a satanic godless attack. And for those of you who've been hurt and have a chronic pain, this speaks to you. Paul asked three times for God to take away this thorn in the flesh, whatever it was. And God didn't do it. He didn't do it. And then finally, Paul concludes with a whisper in his ear that God's grace is sufficient in your pain. And secondly, God whispered to him that your strength is made great in weakness. So sometimes we just have to live with some pain, but I'm convinced of this. And I've had some situations in my life where I've been deeply hurt and there's been no immediate answer. And I've had to live for years with the pain of that. But looking back, I go, gosh, Lord, that drove me deeper in you than I've ever been before. I've had to rely upon your grace and realize my strength is really best in my weakness because you meet my every need. I was driven deep, more deeply into Maryland during those times and our relationship became something much more intimate. God's working in that pain and you've got to trust him for it. So with illnesses, remember there are three kinds, body, soul, and spirit. There is external, internal, and eternal. 
we do operate in great faith. We believe that God can heal the body physically and when he does so, it's wonderful. We also though have internal pain, emotional pain, psychological pain. But I believe folks with all of my heart, the grace of Jesus is the healing balm that will begin to make you well. When you realize how much he loves you, if you don't believe it, look at the cross. But the most important healing, dear friends, has to be spiritual healing. The salvation of your soul. Your soul will last forever. This body's gonna die one day. It's your soul that will go be with Jesus. And you want your soul to be saved, to be determined to go to heaven, not hell. So please make sure today, at the end of this message, that you have given your life to Jesus. You have an intimate, personal relationship with Him. You've confessed your sins. You realize that you're a mess. But Jesus has a message for your mess, which will make you a healed person. And when you receive Jesus, you are assured of heaven. Your soul is saved. Your soul is made well. Eternity is guaranteed. So God heals on the external idea of your body on the internal idea of your mind and your emotions, but also in your eternal reality, your soul going to heaven. Make sure all of those are operating under God's sovereign control, but also you're allowing all to experience the grace of Jesus through great faith. To Jesus alone and always belongs all the glory. Amen and amen. Father in heaven, in Jesus' name, I ask if anyone's out there right now ready to give their souls to you, to get their eternity settled, they would do so right now. All you have to do is confess your sins, how much you've messed up this life, but then go to Jesus and receive his grace and forgiveness, the new start he wants to give you right now. Receive it now. Oh, how he desperately wants you to come to faith in him, in Jesus' name. And Lord, anybody who made that decision right now, please let us know so that we can begin to make you into a disciple of Jesus after you've made your decision for Jesus. I pray this in your wonderful name, Jesus. Thank you. Amen and amen. This is Moments of Hope with David Chadwick. Thanks for listening. Coming up, David joins me in the studio to talk about one of his latest Davidisms. We'll be right back. This is the Ministry Minute, focusing on ministries that have a positive impact on our community. I'm Mark McManus, and with me today is Bart Noonan with West Boulevard Ministry. Bart, tell us about West Boulevard Ministry. Uh, thank you, Bart, for this opportunity to speak about West Boulevard Ministry, and, and more importantly, about Jesus Christ. West Boulevard Ministry serves the spiritual and physical needs of the families and the communities within the West Boulevard quarter to the glory of Jesus Christ. Whether we're doing neighborhood outreach cookouts, gatherings where we're bringing people outside of their apartments, their homes, into fellowship with one another, or we're doing Bible study bingo the first Wednesday of every month at Little Rock Apartments. And uh, we gather anywhere from 50 to 70 children that we share the gospel with and we play bingo after our Bible study portion of the night. And a couple weeks ago, there's a young man who we've been walking with now close to three years who came in, he, he forgot something, like a lot of young, young kids do, he forgot something in the um, space, and he came back in and he ended up praying out myself and all the other volunteers for the West Boulevard ministry team that were gathered there for that night and led us all in prayer and closed it out. And this young man, we've been taking to church every every Sunday for about the past year and a half. And, and that's what it's all about. It's about providing an opportunity for Jesus Christ to work inside someone's heart and, and then encourage them along the way. That sounds great. Now, Bart, if any of our listeners want to get in contact with you, how would they do that? The best way to do is uh, either email myself at bart at westboulevardministry.org or they can call me straight up in my cell phone and I always answer. I'm sort of like a doctor. The phone's always on and that's 
298-9027. I would encourage folks to also go to our website, which is westboulevardministry.org. And there you can see some of our photo galleries. You can see some of the blogs and a lot of things we do throughout the West Boulevard Corridor to the glory of Jesus Christ. It is great having you with us today. Thank you very much. Thank you, Mark. I'm Jen Houston, and with me today is our pastor, David Chadwick. David, thank you for being with us today. It's my pleasure, Jen. Great being with you as well. We've been talking through some nuggets of wisdom that you call Davidisms, and today's sounds really powerful. You say, don't give up ground you've already taken. Can you unpack this for us? I can, Jen. Uh, This life lesson comes from General George Patton, the great World War II general. Uh, When he and his armies conquered enemy territory, he would never, ever give up that land again. Mm -hmm. Too much effort had gone into conquering it. He never thought it should be given back up for any reason. So this same practice is illustrated in Scripture. God commanded Joshua to take the promised land, every foot of it. Joshua and his men were to advance through it courageously. That's Joshua 1, 8, and 9. Every square inch was a promised land from God to his chosen people. And God knew that the enemy needed to be driven out eradicated, gone. If the enemy's armies remained, they would be in danger of adopting their destructive customs and habits. What have you conquered today, dear friends? Whatever it is, don't give it up. Is it alcohol, fear, anxiety, self-loathing? Then keep fighting to maintain victory in these areas. Don't give up what you've conquered. Don't give it back to the enemy. You'll only slide backwards into more defeat and destruction when you do. And you'll seldom, if ever, know future victories by God's power. Wow, this is very powerful. I think one of the tendencies we have as humans is to go back to the familiar and to find ourselves in a sense, longing for Egypt. Why do we do this? Uh, I don't know. I think sometimes we create a picture in our minds of how beautiful Egypt really was when Mm. it wasn't. Uh, I think sometimes we have a lack of courage in our hearts and faith doesn't conquer the fear that we need to have in our lives. Uh, There are all kinds of reasons that that happens, but Scripture uses another phrase to describe the same thing. It's like a dog returning to its vomit, Mm. and and it's when a dog is set free from that mess, but the dog comes back. When you do so, you are in danger of letting that vomit be your lifestyle and not the victory that you should know in Jesus. So again, this truth is so powerful. If God has given you victory over something in life, whether it's fear or alcohol or whatever it might be, keep living in victory. Mm-hmm. Believe Romans eight thirty seven. I'm more than a conqueror through Jesus who loves me because once you return to that stuff, you can be enslaved again into your Egypt and it'd be even worse than it was before because once you've given up ground you've already conquered, you have more difficulty conquering it again. Wow, that's really powerful. And I love how you use the word courage. We named our son because the meaning of his name has courage in it and it is so important, especially in these days. Yeah, Jen, and you know what's 
interesting, too, in the last chapters of the book of Revelation, when the people who are listed there who are in the lake of fire, it's all kinds of godless behavior. But one of those that's listed is the cowardly. Wow. And I think in our culture today, we need courage more than ever. Mm -hmm. We need people who say, no, that land is what God has promised me. I'm conquering it in Jesus' name. I'm not going to give it up, and I'm going to remain courageous like Joshua was as well. This is so powerful, such a great truth for us today. Thank you so much. Well, Jen, thank you as well. And everyone, if you'd like to receive these daily Davidisms in your inbox, please go to momentsofhopechurch.org. You can subscribe there. They're free of charge. They'll arrive every morning in your inbox at 7 a.m. It's my gift to you to give you a daily moment of hope. This has been Moments of Hope with David Chadwick, Senior Pastor of Moments of Hope Church. Today's message is from our online worship service, and you can be a part of our service each Sunday morning at both 9 and 11 o'clock by going to momentsofhopechurch.org. And while you're online, be sure to sign up for David's daily Moments of Hope, delivered every morning to your inbox. And also check out David's weekly Hopecast, They're both free and available through our website. Again, that web address is momentsofhopechurch.org. For David and the entire Moments of Hope Church staff, this is Jen Houston asking that you pray that God would heal our land.